Genesis chapter 42, reading verses 14 down to verse 24. We've been looking at Joseph's brethren and we're building up this story here as when they're going to come before Joseph. And so we'll take our reading from Genesis chapter 42, verses 14 down to verse 24. And Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. Ye shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come thither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall keep, be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye are spies. And he put them together into ward three days, that is, into the prison. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live. For I fear God. And if ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your, of your houses and bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul and he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, Speak I not unto you saying, Do not sin against the child and ye would not hear. Therefore behold also his blood is required. And this they and they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter, and he turned himself about from them, and wept, and returned to them again, and communed with them, and took from them Simeon, and bound him before their eyes. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. With God's word open, we'll seek the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, as we come again in our study in the life of Joseph, we thank the Lord for these lessons that we've been learning week after week. And Lord, we pray again as we seek to learn more lessons practically regarding the Christian life. We pray again, Lord, we'll be drawn to our Savior and to learn about him. We pray, Lord, you'll encourage us You'll write thy word upon our heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. In our studies in the life of Joseph, 20 or 21 years have passed between chapter 37, verse 29, to chapter 42. That's when Joseph last seen his brothers. On that occasion, Joseph's brethren, they conspired against him, planning his death. They persecuted him by slander, and cruel mockings. Joseph suffered and sorrowed at the hands of his brethren. He was thrown into the pit. Reuben's conscience was guilty. He knew that they shouldn't kill Joseph. And so they changed their plan and betrayed and sold Joseph 
as a slave to Midian businessmen going down to Egypt. The brothers then took Joseph's coat of many colors, that gift which had been given to him by his father. And they killed an animal, dipped that coat in the animal's blood to give their father the impression that Joseph had been killed by a wild beast. Upon seeing that their deceptive plan and their lies seemed to pass without any real opposition, it seemed the brethren had gotten away with their sin against Joseph. It appeared as if their lies and their deceptive plans had worked and it was accepted Joseph was dead. The brothers had ignored and silenced their own guilty conscience. They had seared their conscience, hoping never to hear about Joseph again and hoping no one would ever know what took place that day. However, God was there and God knew what took place. And God has promised in his word that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. But the thing about that, the reaping will always be in God's time. I want you to grasp that. You will reap what you sow. You sow in the spirit and you will reap in the spirit. But that reaping will be in God's time. You sow in the flesh. You will reap in the flesh. But that reaping again will be in God's time. May not just be the same day, the same week, the same month. In this case, it was over 20 years. For 20 years, no one knew what the brethren did. Only them. They had hid it from their family. And God brings it to light. He does this by stirring, awakening their conscience. By providence, by sending a famine. By using people such as their father's words. Go to Egypt. His protection of Benjamin. My son, your brother will not go down with you. And then later, as Joseph questions them and proves them and tries them to get answer. All these together work to stir their heart. Until what we've read today in verses 18 to 24. Where the brethren finally confess their guilt. We are guilty concerning our brother. And they tell the whole story of how they seen Joseph in his anguish. And really they didn't care. They still sorrowed and they persecuted him. But all the time, Joseph was there. And Joseph heard everything. So leading up to their confession, God was working and exposing their lives, exposing their sin by Joseph probing, examining, asking question after question, as we learned last Lord's Day. Joseph's actions were upright and full of grace. He lived to honor God. And therefore, Joseph could not bless his brethren while they regarded iniquity in their heart and hatred against Joseph. Now, we must never forget that this whole situation occurs during the years of famine, when death will be their end. Never forget the reason. They're going down to Egypt from a human point of view. There's a famine throughout the lands. It's a great famine, a sore famine. And they know if they don't get provisions, they're going to die. 
And as they come before Joseph, he is the provider. He is the one who has all resources and sources and power to give them what they need. And so as Joseph speaks to them, he asks them, commands them to obey his word. And he says to them in verse 18, On the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. In other words, all I have said to you to do, obey and you will live. You need provision. I will give you that provision, but that provision must be by you obeying my word, fulfilling what I have said. Remember this man, Joseph is the law of the land. And therefore he speaks to these brothers. And Joseph has asked them to obey him in this matter. What is it? It all centers upon the brother Benjamin. Bring me Benjamin. Bring me Benjamin and you live. Come without Benjamin and I will refuse you. You'll not get the provisions. And so there is a wonderful lesson there as we think of the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in visiting sinners who are facing eternal ruin for punishment of their own sin. The famine that is in their own soul due to sin. And as the word of God is preached unto them, they need provision. They need life. But that life is only given based in obeying God's word. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so when sinners respond to the obedience of God's word, do this, thou shalt live. Because there's life in the gospel. There's life in obeying God's word. That's the scene that Joseph puts before his brethren. Bring me Benjamin. We read it twice already in this passage. Bring me Benjamin. Do this and thou shalt live. But you come without Benjamin. And I will refuse you. And so here it is men and women in the gospel. We must come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We must come by his way of obedience because any other way is to be refused. But when we come the way ordained, when we obey his word, do this and live. And as we learn at the end of the whole scene, we're jumping ahead of ourselves, but they did obey and they were blessed. And they said at the very, very end, Thou hast saved us. And you know then, sinner, when you come to Christ and you obey his word, you know, believer, you can look back and say, I am blessed. He has saved me from my sin. And so as we think of this great subject of the conscience being stirred, And two simple thoughts. Notice today as we continue, not only was it stirred by providence, people, and by probing, but also by proving. Verse 14 and 15. Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved. 
by the life of Pharaoh, he shall not go forth hence, except, notice it again, your youngest brother come thither. The word proved, as you have there in verse 14, or verse 15, hereby shall ye be proved, is the word meaning to test. And this test, as we said, involves the younger brother, who we know in Scripture to be Benjamin. And so this affects the whole family. This goes deep into the home. This is examining and exposing to see if these brethren's hearts are still bitter and uncaring towards their own family member, particularly Joseph. In fact, we learn more of the conversation as given between Joseph and his brethren in Genesis 43, that whenever the brethren do go back to their father, they then tell their father all that happened to them in Egypt. And they begin to speak to their father in verse 7. The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him, according to the tenor of these words, could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Again, chapter 42, verse 13. Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with his father, and one is not. And we looked at this first last time we were together. As Joseph was examining, the more questions he asked, the more answers they give. And their answers then led on to another question. Because now Joseph knows that the brethren, they're not telling the full truth. Because the one is not, that means one is dead. They're saying one is dead, but Joseph is there before them. I'm not dead, I'm alive. And then he knows, all of a sudden now, uh, the sons of one man, well, dad then is still alive. So he knows now dad is alive, that's one good thing. And then behold, the youngest this day is with our father. Now this goes on to the next question. Who is the youngest? Now we know we've read the story. The youngest is Benjamin. When Joseph left Egypt, the youngest was Benjamin. But is that still the case? Is that still right? And so Joseph now must examine this. Who is the youngest? And the only way to know who the youngest is, bring me your youngest brother. Bring me him. He wants to see himself. And so this gets all very, very exciting. It shows us this is God's word because only God could write such uh, truth and such wonderful lessons here as we're learning. Joseph, he knew the brethren when they claimed him to be dead was false. And so Joseph must dig deeper. Is Benjamin the youngest brother? As there was no mention of his name. Is he still the youngest brother? Is he being persecuted? Joseph must find all these things out. Because remember, Joseph was persecuted. Well, is Benjamin being persecuted? If that's still the youngest brother. Now, why would Joseph want to know that? Because remember, we said before, both Joseph and Benjamin shared the same mother, Rachel. And therefore, Joseph was hated 
by his brethren. And so now is Benjamin hated by his brethren as well because they shared the same mother. These are all questions. And so Joseph will test his brethren to see if they're true men. Remember that phrase, true men, means honest men, means men of a good report about their character. And so he, he, puts, uh, he puts them in prison. Now notice this here. He puts them in prison and he allows one to leave. Verses 16 and 17. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother and ye shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved, that your words will be tested, examined. So at this stage, nine brothers will remain in prison and one will go home. Get the younger brother and then return. But three days later, Joseph does something remarkable. He then reverses the order and instead says nine brothers will now go home and one will stay in prison. And we learn he singles out Simeon in verse 24 and Simeon is bound before their eyes. So all the rest of their brothers, they will go home and Simeon will remain in prison. And here is the point. It's interesting to note in proving and testing these men, Joseph didn't lower the standard. He didn't lower the requirement to prove that these men were honest. He didn't change the terms. He didn't change his demands. He didn't change his requirements. He said, accept your youngest brother. Come hither. Joseph commanded by his word. Therefore, as the governor of the land, Joseph demanded full obedience to his command in order that they would live. Notice the words. Bring your youngest brother on to me, so your words shall be verified, and ye shall not die. So here, this whole point rests upon life and death. Obey my word. Come to me by Joseph. Bring, or bring Benjamin to me, and you will live. But you don't bring Benjamin. You don't obey my word. You don't come the way that I have said. You will die. And so by obeying, fulfilling Joseph's command, they would be set free. Simeon would be set free. They would be provided for, and they would have a bountiful provision. Now this, again, where it gets interesting. Notice this here, and we'll get to this in greater detail. Chapter 43. All the brethren go home and they speak to their dad about the man, the Lord of the land, the sovereign of the land. He wants our brother. He wants Benjamin. That's what he said. Except you come, you will not see my face. You must come with Benjamin. But Jacob responds, he's not coming. He's not going down with you. But dad, he must come down. If we are to live, if we are to have this provision, we must come by his obedience. We must come by the way he has said, commanded to come. He's not coming down. 
lest mischief befall him. Now here the word gets interesting again. The brethren, Judah, then speaks up. And Judah, in chapter 43, sacrificially pledges himself to be what is termed as a surety. Now we'll get to that in greater detail in a few weeks' time. But Judah pledges to be a surety for Benjamin. What is a surety in the Bible? It's one who will take the responsibility of another. It's one who will fulfill a requirement on behalf of another. And if he fails to do it, verse 9 of chapter 43, he will bear the blame forever. And so as the surety, Judah says to his father, I will be surety for Benjamin. I will take full responsibility for Benjamin. I will take him there and I will keep him safe and secure through these days. And I will bring him safely home to you, Father. That is what Judah is saying. He's becoming a substitute. He's becoming the representative. He's taking the place. He's saying, I will be a surety for Benjamin. I take full responsibility. I will keep him safe. I will protect him. And I will bring him back to you, Father. But if I fail, then I will bear the blame forever. And what a picture then of the whole scene relating to the gospel. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the surety of his people. He made that pledge to his father that he would take full responsibility for sinners. He came to save those in the prison house of sin, those bound even as Simeon was bound. He came to take full responsibility for them, to protect them, to preserve them, and also to bring them safely home to the Father. And therefore, all whom Christ has stood as their surety, he guarantees a safe arrival home. That's why, child of God, in Christ, you are guaranteed heaven. You are as good as in heaven as if you were there already right now. Your Savior, by his death, by his role as the surety, has guaranteed your entrance and your safe return to the Father. Again, Hebrews 7, verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. He pledged by his sinless life to substitute himself to be the surety, take full responsibility for those given to him under his care and to bring them home. And that's the whole point. Judah is saying to his father, I will be surety. I will bring Benjamin back. I take full responsibility for Benjamin. Father, 
I will bring him safely home to you. And therefore, what a message that is in the gospel. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, even the death on the cross, he has secured the arrival of many sons to glory. Eternal life is based on what Christ, on Christ doing what God told him to do. And therefore every soul by sin sin oppressed, there are words of life for you in the gospel. Do this and live. Confess your sin to God. Do this and live. Life is offered unto you. Hallelujah. Choose life, everlasting life. Believe on the Son. Do this and thou shalt live. Believer, we rejoice this day that we look to Christ. We took him as our surety, as our covenant head, as our representative, and he did not fail. And therefore, our lives are secured in Christ. And just to get ahead of the story, Judah brought Benjamin back to his father. And so, believer, whenever you die, or whenever it's that time to meet God, the Savior will bring you safely home to glory. That's why when you have Psalm 23 and all these beautiful Psalms, that people take comfort in death. Why? Because it's everything Christ has pledged to do as your surety. When we take our children to school, in a sense, you're taking responsibility. Take them safely to school and bring them safely home to the house. And so that's what Christ has done and is doing for you, believer, as your surety. He is securing you every single day. And when it comes that time, he will bring you safely home to glory. What a wonderful lesson this is again of Christ in the life of Joseph. The good news, there's still more to come. Notice the conscience was stirred by patterns. Verse 21 and verse 22. Interesting to note that in the patterns and all that took place 21 years previous at Dotham in Genesis chapter 37, though the brethren acted in jealousy and hatred, Joseph will now act by pattern. And the brethren will now experience, they will now enter in to Joseph's sufferings and his sorrows. And Joseph will act in a way, but not with hatred, not with malice as they did to him. But what he will do is show them all he suffered on their behalf. Because remember again, you have to go back to the end of the story. Whenever Joseph reveals himself to his brethren, what does he say to them? Ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Why? God has brought me this way to preserve, to save you. So everything that God did in Joseph's life was for him to save the nation, to save this people. And so all that Joseph does now is for the brethren to realize all the sufferings that Joseph went through. And then they will learn after. It was all 
to save them. And the whole point is this, believer, all that Christ did for us, we hated him, we despised him, we rejected him. But when he saved us from our sin, we then realized he went to the cross and it was for me. Yes, all for me. Genesis 37, verse 4. They hated him and could not speak peacefully unto him. Verse 47, verse 20, uh, chapter 42, verse 7. He spake roughly to them. As the brothers spoke of Joseph as a dreamer in chapter 37, Joseph speaks of his brothers as spies in verse 42. As the brothers threw Joseph into a pit in Dotham, so Joseph cast his brethren into prison in Egypt. As the first plans were to slay Joseph, and then after the plan was changed and they sold Joseph instead of slaying him, so after three days, Joseph, instead of keeping nine in prison and one set loose, he then puts one in prison and the the nine are, are sent back. As Joseph remained silent to, as the brothers remained silent to Joseph's pleas in the pit, so Joseph remained silent to their pleas. As the brethren single out Joseph, so Joseph single out Simeon. As Simeon was experienced in making and seeing through the murderous plans in chapter 34, by the shameful slaughter at Shechem. Maybe he then was the, the ringleader in oh this whole thing. But every pattern, every detail was for them to show all that is happening to us now. We did this to Joseph. It was to show them their hatred of Joseph. Everything they did to Joseph. They were being convicted of it. They were being brought towards it. We caused him to suffer. We're now suffering. We caused him sorrow. We're sorrowing. Joseph put them in their place that they might know their sin, their shame, and their guilt that they transgressed against Joseph. That all they did was hatred against him. And he is there. Because of their hateful actions. Again, verses 21 and 22. They said one to another, We are very guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul. And so there they saw his sorrow, they saw his pain, they saw his sufferings. We are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul. When he besought us, he's pleading with them. But we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered saying, speak. Now Reuben begins to try to cover his own tracks. Speak I unto you, do not sin against the child. But ye would not hear. I so told you not to do this. But you wouldn't listen. Therefore, behold also his blood is required. And so by Joseph's words on how Joseph dealt with them, he was giving them a sight 
of what he suffered. Genesis chapter 50, as we said, shows that when Joseph met his brethren, he said to them that this was all done for God to save them. They remembered their sin. They remembered their treatment of him. They remembered how they refused and rejected and despised him. And now they were brought to the point where they realized that. And they submitted to him. They surrendered to him. They confessed to him. And then he brought them in and provided for them. And that is how the Lord deals with sinners. In giving them the benefits of the gospel. He gives us a sight of the sufferings of Christ. He impresses upon our soul that we despised him, that we seen no beauty in him, that we did not desire him, that we caused his sorrows and his shame. Our sin nailed him to the cross. And therefore, he wounds before he binds up. He slays before he makes alive. He pierces before he heals. He brings sinners to the point where they understand I am guilty concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came into this world to save sinners. I despised and rejected him. He brings them to the point where they need to be brought to, where they understand that they need to be saved. And this is how he dealt with you, sinner, and how he dealt with you, believer. You see, you will not go to the doctor for tests unless you are concerned. Just as the woman in the Gospels with the issue of blood. And so Christ, or so sinners, will not come to Christ for pardon until they have sins they know need to be pardoned off. This is seen in Luke chapter 23, verse 41. Remember the two thieves on the cross, or either side of Christ. One thief, he said, we are in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. One thief saw himself as a sinner, and he called upon the Lord, remember me, and he was saved. But the other thief, he refused to see himself as a sinner. He refused to see himself as one in need of Christ. And therefore he died and entered into lost eternity. In closing, believer, you can bless the Lord for his mercy toward you in Christ. And that he brought you to that point where you realized your sin against him. And then all he did to save you from sin's penalty and sin's punishment. When we understood that coming to Christ was not a get-out clause. It was not a weekend thing. It was not something new to try. It was not something just to get by. It was not to... See, well, we'll see how this works out. Rather, you were brought to the point where you realized, I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. And while my sins are many, 
His mercy is more, and he saved my soul. And from that, that gospel light that entered into your heart produced fruit, spiritual life. And you went on and went through with God. Because that's what happens here. They confess to Joseph, we're guilty. And then after that, we will see the fruits of that confession. Was it real? Was it just a quick thing just to get out of prison? Oh, we're guilty. We're here. We're stuck. Maybe if we confess something, we'll get out of here. We'll see how they went on and proved themselves to be men who had been changed. Men who saw themselves as real guilty concerning another. And so all who seek the Lord Jesus Christ will find true forgiveness. The way they would find forgiveness, provision, would be by obedience, by coming with Benjamin. And I trust that that will be a lesson to our hearts. Joseph is the sovereign, and he gives the command, come by Benjamin, bring Benjamin, you will live. Come without Benjamin, you will perish. The Lord is the sovereign. And he has commanded, come to me through Christ. You shall live. You shall have provision. He is the surety for all who come to him. But you come to me without him. And you will perish for all eternity. What say you of Christ today? Will you take Christ today as your saviour? Will you come to him now just as you are with all your guilt? And have your sin confessed and blotted out? Or will you still try to go through other ways and means and perish for all eternity? Oh, may the Lord write his word upon our heart for his name's sake.